Our text for this morning's message will be Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we'll be reading or focusing on verse 5 through verse 9. We're going to actually start in verse 1 and read down through verse 9 so we get the flow of the passage. One of the most beautiful passages of Scripture, one of the most far-reaching in its, its heights that it talks of and the depths that it brings to light of just what God has done for us and how God works in our lives but yet simple enough for us to understand, and I hope this morning that we will take what it says to heart. So I, I turn your attention to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you. We are thankful for your great grace and your great mercy, allowing us to meet here, Lord, and for all that you have done, all that you have made for us, Lord, we are thankful for Christ coming to condemn sin in the flesh for us, that we might be saved. We are thankful for the fellowship of your Spirit, that you move and convict on our hearts and change us from glory to glory to be ever more like you, Lord. I pray now that as the word is spoken, you would do the work that only you can do, that you would send your Spirit among us, in our hearts and in our minds, to help us look at the, the places maybe where we fail, strengthen us where we stand right before You, Lord. I pray even that hearts might be changed, eternities might be changed this morning, Lord, that if there be one who does not know You as Savior, that You would show the severity of sin and that You would show the salvation that is offered in Your Son, Jesus Christ. Help me to speak what You would have me to and nothing more. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So it's the time of year for graduations, right? It's just what this time is, and we've come through. Many of them, I think most of them are over by now. Maybe there's a couple lingering, maybe some college graduations. I don't know, but there are so many young people just starting their first steps of real life. I hate to tell you, if you've just graduated or if you're moving closer to that, school is the easy part. Real life starts after that, and now you've got schedules and jobs and bills, and you have to actually buy your own food and stock your own cupboards and things of that nature that you never think about when you're in school. Some people are are, are taking their very first steps in their brand new life, if you would. Now you face all kinds of different choices, right? What college to go to or what job or career you'll pursue. And I'm, I'm sure many have a plan. They have a, a, a goal for their future. Maybe you have a goal for your future, but I'm sure you have questions too. I believe there's many people who just graduated or who are just taking their first steps are kind of asking themselves the question, what am I supposed to do? Like, what's next? What happens next? Because before you knew what grade you were going to do, you knew what classes you were going to have, you knew all of that now, the future is just getting started and it's wide open and you might be asking yourself, well, what am I supposed to do next? Or, maybe you've been out of high school for many years now. I'm feeling older and older each year. 19 years ago I graduated. To some of you that sounds like, wow, that was just yesterday. But 
that's starting to be a long time. I don't feel that old. I hope I don't look that old. But 19 years ago, maybe you've been in the workforce for a while. Maybe you've spent years in it. You've established yourself in many ways. And, you know, there's people that have done that and are in that place. And they find themselves asking the same kind of question, although it's maybe phrased a little differently. It's more along the lines of, what am I doing all this for? What does this all mean? Do I just keep going through this? What's this all leading up to? Listen, there are many people in the world with that state of mind today. Searching. Searching for something, but never finding it. Gaining all this kind of stuff, but never really truly satisfied. And they find themselves just kind of going through the motions of life. You get up, you go to work, you come home, you you eat, and then you do the same thing over and over and over, and they don't really know why. They're looking for purpose. So many around us today are looking for a purpose. Looking for an answer to questions like, what am I supposed to do? Listen, whether you're young or old or older, or whether you're starting out or you're well on your way, the answer to that question is the same. I want you to know this morning that God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for your life. And it's one that is full of life. It is one that is full of joy. One that is full of peace. Not only for right here, right now in this life, but forever and ever and ever. Now the Bible tells us that without God we are lost. Without God we don't have a purpose. In fact, it says we wander around like sheep gone astray. Without God, we're under the dominance, we're under the mastery, the control of sin, under the judgment of sin and death. Without God, we are guilty of our sins. We are condemned for our sins. We are facing God's eternal wrath against our sin. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible is very clear. Without God, we're hopeless. Without God, we have no purpose. But God has made provision for that. You see, in His love, seeing that we are sinners, seeing that we are fallen from His glory, in His love He has given His Son, Jesus Christ, to be the atonement for our sin. You can be forgiven for all of the sin that you have ever done through Christ. There is no sin too big. There is no sin too small. Christ's blood pays it all. You see, Jesus is the one who sets us free from the bondage of sin and death. That's what verse 2 says, right? For the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. He has defeated the sin that condemns us in His own body on the cross. He gave His life as the salvation for our sins. That's what verse 3 says. He came and in His own flesh He condemned sin. He gave His righteous, perfect, precious blood as the atonement for sin. And so for those who believe and trust in His death and resurrection, the condemnation for sin is removed. Verse 1, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's what salvation is. It's a whole new life. It's a whole new creation being born again for a purpose. purpose to be like God, a purpose to fellowship with God, a purpose to display Him to the world, to spend eternity with Him. I want you to look at verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. You see, I can live a, a life that is right with God. I can live a life that is righteous through Him. And it's a life that is in perfect peace. A life that is in perfect harmony. It is an abundant life. A life that gives meaning to everything else that we do. That is what God's purpose is for us. If. That all sounds great, right? We want to be right with God. I want to live in heaven forever. I don't want to be judged for my sins. I want to live this abundant life that God has called me to right now, that sounds great. Well, there's a condition there. 
There's an if there, and that is if you follow Him. This is not automatic. This is not something that God zaps you with and it's all done. No. There is some choices on our part. Let's say tomorrow you received a letter. And it informed you that all of the schooling that you would ever need for the career of your choice would be provided. I mean, it's a free ride. You get all the schooling for free. And you get a guaranteed job placement in that career for the rest of your career. Medical field? Fine. All the medical schooling is provided. You'll be awarded a residency at a prestigious hospital, whether it's a doctor or it's a nurse, whatever you want to be. That's provided free ride. It's yours. Or maybe it's a law firm. All the the law schooling in a prestigious firm, whatever it may be, it's all provided to you. Or maybe some trade, whatever. All you have to do is say yes. Well, see, you could read that letter and say, yeah, that sounds really good. I'm going for it. Or you could throw it in the trash and say, no. It'd be quite foolish to throw that away, wouldn't it? Especially with a once-in-a-lifetime chance like that, right? Well, I want you to know this morning, you have a letter. Sixty-six books of God-breathed words. And all you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is pay attention. All you have to do is do what God says, and you have eternal guarantees. Guarantees not only for this life, but forever and ever and ever. But you have to make that choice. You can follow, and this is what we're going to talk about this morning, you can follow the emptiness, the fleeting pleasure of the world, or you can follow God. You can follow the flesh, or you can follow the Spirit. Paul is going to list here two types of people. And in reality... That's what there is. There are two kinds of people. There are those who are fleshly and there are those who are spiritual. There are those who care nothing for God. They don't care. They don't care if Sunday's church day. They don't care what the Bible says. They don't know the Bible. They don't want to know the Bible. All they want to know is what they feel and what they want to do. They don't care about God. You know them because you meet them every day and you probably have interaction with them. People that are lost, people that are separated from God, people that are living for themselves and themselves only. Those are fleshly. And then there are those who are spiritual. Oh, they know God, they know His Word, and they are living their lives following Him in gratitude for all of the grace and all of the mercy that He's given. There are fleshly and there are spiritual. And the question will be this morning, which one are you? Are you fleshly? Are you following things other than God? Are you following yourself? Or are you spiritual? Are you following the leading of the Holy Spirit? Now, at the very core of this discussion, this is the difference between lost and saved. I understand that. One who has not been born again, one who has not experienced salvation as Christ, is still in the flesh. That is their very nature. And one who is saved by grace through faith in Christ is spiritually alive. They are born again. And we'll come back to that discussion, but I believe Paul is talking on a deeper level here. Okay, I think he's talking on a deeper level. And there's a couple reasons that I think that. Let me give them to you. First of all is the context. The context of chapter 8. I mean, in the context of Romans, he's talking to a church. He's talking to those who have been saved, who are baptized, who are serving. And he's given them instructions. Look in chapter 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that as so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. He's talking to people that have experienced some things. Look in verse 11 of chapter 6. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead to sin but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. 
the instructions that he's given, the people that he's talking to, I think he's talking to people that are already saved, already baptized, already serving in the church capacity. And he's already covered justification or salvation in chapters 1 through 5. He's on a different subject. He's talking about living. How do we live godly? How do we live this new life? So he's not going to necessarily go back and keep talking about being saved. He's talking about what you do after you're saved. And the second reason is this. Here's why I think it's a little deeper. I know humanity. I know myself. I know my own flesh. We don't make the best decisions. We try to kill spiders with hairspray and a lighter. <laughs> I've chased them around the shop doing that. Spray clean, same thing. And usually that never ends well, right? You end up with a burn spot, burn spot on your carpet and your eyebrows are missing and the spider's still alive, running off. We try to ride motorcycles up the ramps into the back of trucks. <laughs> you end up hitting the window. We make dumb choices all the time. And there are times we choose to follow the flesh. We know what's right. We know what God wants us to do. We say, nope, I'm doing this. Now, it shouldn't be that way. I'm sure we don't want it to be that way times. It shouldn't be that way. In fact, there should be a change. We don't really talk about this much because we want to make sure we're known as a whosoever will church, especially with Reformed theology taking a, a front seat nowadays. But once salvation occurs, a change should be evident in our lives. We should be different because we are different. There should be a new creation with new desires. I say it many times, I say it again. My grandpa quit some things in his life once he was saved. Oh my goodness, 60, 70 years ago now. Because he says there's just some things Christians don't do. And that's true. Our lives are changed now. There's some old ways we put to death. There's some old things we don't do anymore because we are a new person. I'm alive in Christ and dead to the sin that once had rule over me. We stop with the old ways. We live after God ways. Now listen, I understand too, there's a battle within us now too, isn't there? <laughs> Our new spiritual man versus the flesh and they're going head to head all the time. And it's not always easy. But you've got to understand that sin that you struggle with, you've already been set free from it. You already have power over it through Jesus Christ. The problem is whether we reckon it or not. I don't have to fall. I don't have to give in to the temptation because I am a new person in Christ. All that said, we still don't make the right choices sometimes, do we? There are times when we can walk after the flesh even though we are spiritual. There are times when we can be unfaithful, we can be unbelieving. And sometimes we don't think it's that big a deal, but we need to know the dangers of it. It's a dangerous place to be. In fact, I think that's where we fail most of the time. Where we fail most of the time in our lives is we don't do the right thing when we know we should. Or we do the wrong thing when we know we shouldn't. I want you to know this morning that the flesh or we could say sin, or we could say self, is very powerful. It is very powerful. This is not a light thing. You don't mess around with sin. You don't play footsies with it and get up cozy to it. It will kill you. And the flesh and self and sin rules so many hearts. Self sits as God in the lives of some today. In fact, in the lives of many. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't give a rip what anybody else says. Nobody tells me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. And we should expect that from the world. The sadness comes when it is in those who know better. 
When we allow the flesh to dominate when we shouldn't, when we allow sin to be dominant over us when it shouldn't be, you got to understand, it's not a light thing. It's going to affect our walk with God. It's going to affect our testimony. It's going to affect our families. It's going to affect our church. So we need to know the dangers of it. Look in verse 5. Paul says here, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. That word after means down from in the original language. It's talking about who is controlling. Those who are allowing the flesh to control, those who are following after the flesh, well, they're going to mind the things of the flesh. That's what's going to be on their mind. That's what's going to be in their heart. Who you allow to control you will control your thinking. Who you follow after will be what your mind follows after. What is it that consumes your mind? What is it that you desire? Listen, a pretty good way to check the health of your spiritual life is to see what you are constantly always thinking about. What is it that just turns your gears and focuses your thinking? And what are you always striving towards? Is it spiritual things or is it fleshly things? There are so many today consumed with things other than God. Oh, people are always looking, always searching, consumed. How do I get the next buck? How do I get the next buzz? How do I get the next high? How do I have this next experience? How do I get the next promotion? How do I get the next thing? And it's all about what they think, what they feel, what they want to do, what they don't want to do. Minding the things of the flesh, focused on themselves and nobody else. Again, we should expect that from the world, but when it's found in the heart of a servant of God, that's a dangerous thing. And so many have drifted away to being more concerned about self rather than the Spirit. They would rather work for stuff rather than work to see a soul saved. Because the flesh will consume our thinking. Not me. Yes, you Those that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. It has that way of consuming us. But likewise, those that follow the Spirit are consumed. Their thoughts are consumed. Their thoughts are driven. They are dominated by spiritual things, by the things of God. There's there's another place this word, do mind, there. They, they, they do mind the things of the flesh. They do mind the things of the Spirit. There's another place it's used. I'd like you to see in Colossians chapter 3. Turn there if you would. Colossians chapter 3. Keep your finger in Romans. We'll be back there. But I want you to see this in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection. That's the word. Same word in Greek that's used in Romans chapter 8 is right here in Colossians 3 2. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. Set your affection. The question this morning is what do you love? What has your heart? What do you dream about? What are you working towards? Is it for things that will burn? Or is it for lost souls? I want to see the people that I know are bound for hell. I want to see them saved. I want to have them know Christ. I want to see their lives established, living as a servant of God. I want to see the work of God growing. I want to be storing up for rewards for, hey, when we spend forever with Him, You understand that? Does your your mind grasp that there is coming a day when my life will be revealed? Right now it's hidden with God. I don't quite understand eternity. I don't quite understand forever. But there's coming a day when that sky will split and He will come to this earth and my eternity with Him will begin. Are you ready for that? Have your affections been set on that? Or when that comes, will you be weighed in the balance and found wanting? I got a lot of stuff, Lord. 
Not a lot of spiritual. Set your affection on Him. Oh, listen, it is amazing how when the Spirit gets a hold of our hearts, when the Spirit gets a hold of our lives, how much our perspective changes. It lifts our eyes up. Listen, there's some important things we got to do down here. But there's a purpose in all of it. Have your career. Make a wise choice about your career. You want to go to school? Go to school. Start a family. But understand, in all of it, there's a purpose, and it's a higher purpose. I am to glorify God in all that I do down here. It's not about me. It's about Him. My marriage is not about me, though I get so much joy from it, so much companionship and filling, but my wife and I are showing the relationship between God and His church. We are being a testimony, a, a shining light of glory. There's a purpose in my marriage. There's a purpose in my parenting. There's a purpose in the job that I go to. Everything that I do, there's a purpose. And we need to set our mind on the higher things and God will take care of these things. If you choose it. You can choose the flesh and the flesh will kill you. Go back to Romans. Romans 8 and verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Listen, follow the flesh and you will see destruction. It may not happen overnight, though it can. Some choices you make have immediate consequences. But it could take years. A little bit here, a little bit there. But you continually follow after the flesh. You continually follow after sin or yourself. And there's going to come a day when you look back and you see the trail of destruction. You see your marriage destroyed. You see your family destroyed. Your relationship with God destroyed. You see what it could have been if I had just listened. If I had just chosen Him here and here and here. I wouldn't have had to gone through all that. But it will be you who have chosen it. And not only will we face destruction in this life, death in this life, but there's going to be a loss of some eternal things. You see, one day you'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And your works will be tried. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 tells us this. Your works will be tried. Everything that you've ever done, every word that you've said, how you've spent every day, it's all going to be laid out before Christ. And that which is done for Him will pass through the fire, the gold and the silver and the precious stones. Every time you witnessed, every time you went to church, every time you read your Bible, every time you prayed, every time you were the husband or the father or the wife or the mother that you should have been, all those things are good and godly and those will stand in His presence. But all the rest that was not done for Him will burn up in a heartbeat. All the things we might have thought was so important That the world tells us, man, you've got to have this, and you've got to get that, and you've got to prepare in this way. All that will burn in an instant in the presence of Almighty God. And the question is, what's going to be left in your life? What's going to be left in my life? Oh, well, that's that's a ways off. You don't know that. My heart could stop here as I'm preaching and I will enter into eternity with my Savior. Am I prepared to see Him, to meet Him right here and right now? Are you? Oh, we would save ourselves so much pain and heartache if we would simply follow the Spirit. What does it say? To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And this life just does this word life just doesn't mean to be alive, it means the fullness of life. Just think of all the blessings that God has poured down in this full, beautiful, wonderful life that we have. We have that through the Spirit, through following Him. We have peace. That's where God is going to lead you. God is going to lead you into life. God is going to lead you into peace. There is such peace. 
that we have when we know that we're walking with Him, don't we? It's so peaceful to my mind to know I'm doing what God wants. And listen, I may slip up. I'm not saying anybody's perfect. We know that. We all stumble. But to know I'm doing what God would have me to do, there's such a deep peace that is there. God wants that peace for you. Life becomes so much fuller and sweeter knowing that He's in control. Something pops up, whoop, I don't know what to do, but I know that God's in control. I know to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I know He set me free from some things and He's going to lead me in good places, so I trust Him. Do you have that peace within your own heart today? Is your heart in a right place with Him? It can be. Not just today, every day. You can have it renewed every day. Read the Bible. My goodness, read the Psalms. You don't know where to start? Start reading the Psalms. You will watch the Scriptures open up to you in ways that you never knew before. You are seeing people going through the same things that you go through. Speak to them and you'll see God answer them in a way that just... It feeds your soul and it strengthens your soul. Read in the Psalms. Read the wonderful works of Jesus in the Gospels. Read the amazing accounts of Genesis and Exodus and all these things that happen. They will strengthen you. They will renew that peace within your heart to know that God works in mighty ways. Find your strength in Him through prayer as you pour out your heart. But listen, all of that, you have to choose that. You have to choose it. You have to set your affection on things of the Spirit, not things of the flesh. Now listen, it will either be one or the other. Because the two do not mix. Look at verse 7. The carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. Everybody's seen the B movie, right? Hopefully. Maybe you have, you don't want to admit it, but... There's that scene where it's like in the rain or something and he goes down to a window, the little bee, played by Jerry Seinfeld. He goes down to a, to a window and he tries to get in the window and he flies in, boom. And he sits there again, boom, again, 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 again. That's a perfect picture of humanity. How many times do we try to make one foot in the world and one foot in the church mix? Oh, it doesn't work. I'll try it again. I'll try it again. I'll try it again. I'll try it again. And we keep on... Slamming right against a brick wall. It doesn't work. You can't live in the world, a worldly life or a fleshly life, Monday through Saturday, and then expect to walk in on church Sunday and all of a sudden be spiritual. It doesn't work. The two does not mix. The world and the church do not mix. It doesn't work and it never will work. That flesh that you choose to follow, that flesh that will try to trick you, Saying, it's all good with God. It's not. Two words that Satan uses that will trip us up. It's okay. It's not. It says here that it is enmity. That means to be hostile towards, to be in opposition. Your flesh, the world, sin, self is not going to be subject to God. It's not going to line up under Him. It can't. So that means that flesh is going to take you away. It's the flesh that tells you not to read the Bible. It's the flesh that tells you, I'd rather be on Facebook or Instagram or fill in the blank. It's amazing how we could sit down at a table, try to read the Scriptures, and within five minutes we're nodding off, but we can sit in a place for hours looking at a cell phone and it's fine. Flesh, spiritual. The flesh is going to tell you not to pray. The flesh is going to tell you not to show up. The flesh is going to tell you not to sing. The flesh is going to tell you not to tithe. The flesh is going to tell you not to witness. And a hundred different other things. The flesh takes us away from God. It doesn't bring us closer. It takes us away from God. Every time. Look down at verse verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. We do not owe this flesh anything. Period. 
You know what this flesh has brought? Sin, damnation, condemnation, eternal hell, separation from God. That's what the flesh brings you. We don't owe the flesh anything, but we owe God everything, don't we? Because it is through Him He has given us life. He has provided the sacrifice. He is the one who redeems us to Himself. We owe Him everything. And God's purpose, God's plan for you this morning is to live. It's to be alive. It's to be free from sin. Free from its destruction. Living in peace. Walking with Him in grace. But you have to choose Him. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Old King James word for wealth. You can't do it. It's not going to happen. Again, 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 again. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. No, you can't. You can't. 1 Kings 18.21 Elijah came to all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? How long are you going to hesitate? How long are you going to have one foot here and one foot there? If the Lord be God, follow Him. If Baal, follow Him. And here's what's said. The people answered Him not a word. They were silent. Don't be silent this morning. You must make your choice and it's going to be either one or the other. The Spirit or the flesh. Look in verse 8. You must know this. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. There's a fine line to, between following after the flesh and being in the flesh. You see the difference there? They that are after the flesh mind the things of the flesh, and to be carnally minded is death, and the flesh is enmity again, and enmity against God, and then pretty soon you find yourself in the flesh. So don't go down that road this morning. Scripture tells us of those who followed the flesh to their own destruction. Demas left Paul. Demas left Paul because he loved this present world. That's what the Scriptures say. Hymenaeus and Alexander made shipwreck of their faith. Even Paul says, I keep my body under subjection lest I become a reprobate. we got to be careful, beloved. Walking after the flesh is just one step away from destruction. And this is not talking about the times that we all fall and we stumble. We're supposed to ask forgiveness and be restored and get back on track. This is when we continually and willfully and habitually choose things other than God. So the instruction this morning is do not choose the flesh. Choose God. It's that simple. Choose Him. Follow Him. Don't follow this world or self. I want to end with this thought. Don't choose that because it's not who you are anymore. You're a new creation. You understand that? You have been born again unto a new life. You don't have to follow that anymore. It's not who you are. Look in verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. That's who we are. There's a change that has taken place within us. We have been freed from all that. We have been freed now to live. Freed to serve Him. A new Master. A, a good and wonderful and gracious Master. As we serve God. Look in verse 9. You're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of... His. Now listen, there's some principles in this we're going to get to next week, but I want you to consider this aspect. We here as a body, as a church, are a temple for the Spirit. Ephesians 2 says we are living stones built up together to be a habitation for the Spirit. You, as a member here, we are part of the house of God. 
a living stone in the very temple of God. We have been changed gloriously, have we not? We've come from sinners to being saved and giving our lives to Him through baptism to be part of the very house of God. We've seen and experienced glorious things. We come into the very presence of God when we meet. We feel His moving upon our hearts. We feel the touch of God as He takes this Word and through my stuttering, stumbling words, He takes it to your mind and to your heart and He opens it to some things and you see the truth and begin to understand the truth. All of that ought to profoundly affect us. We ought to leave here changed and live now filled with the very Spirit of God. That's the command of Scripture to His people. Be ye filled with the Spirit. God, a very God leading me, guiding me, filling me, uh, directing my heart and directing my mind, giving me life and peace and grace and mercy. If we really understand that, how could we want to choose the flesh? In fact, I think the more we understand what it means to be part of His church the less we'll want to choose the flesh and the more we'll want to choose Him. And the more it should be evident. What does it say in the last part of, last part of verse 9? If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Well, how do, we, how do we know if somebody has the Spirit? How do we know if somebody has the relationship with God if they're walking with Him or if they have any kind of a relationship with God? How do we know? It's going to be through actions, Right? And words and choices and their witness. And that's how we know somebody's spiritual. There are people in your life, you can look to their thoughts, or not their thoughts, you can look to their words and their actions and the life that they have lived in front of you and that they are living now and you can know that's a spiritual man, that's a spiritual woman. And you know those who are not because there is a lack of it, right? Right? They say it, I don't see it. When we have a lack of the Spirit's working in our life, that's a real problem, isn't it? What does it say here? If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That's a big statement. That's a serious statement. Things will leave for next week, but I want this never to be said of my life. You know what I want people to say about me? That's a spiritual man. He knows God. God's got him. He has the Holy Spirit working in his life. I want my life to show that I am choosing to follow the Spirit. That I am choosing to live God's purpose for my life. And the simple question is this morning, do you want the same thing? Are you following the flesh? Or are you following the Spirit? Maybe you've drifted away, or maybe you've become jaded, or maybe you just really don't care anymore. And you've drifted kind of far away from God. I pray the Lord would draw your heart back. And I would ask you, would you please follow the Spirit starting now? If you want to follow the Spirit, if you want to follow God's plan and God's purpose and all the peace and the joy that He has for you, that starts with salvation. Listen, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you are in the flesh and you cannot please good. You cannot please God. Excuse me. You can come to church a thousand times in a year. That doesn't save you. You could read your Bible through a thousand times in a year. That doesn't save you. You could have parents that raised you in the church. And you could have parents that are part of the church. You can have family that loves God. That doesn't save you. You need a personal relationship with Christ. You stand in condemnation for your sin. 
We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every mouth is stopped and the whole world becomes guilty before God. That's what Romans 3 tells us. And the book of Ephesians says that the wrath of God abides on you. Like right here, right now. God sees your sin and there is judgment for it. Eternal judgment. And if you were to die at this moment... You would open your eyes for eternity separated from Him in a very real place of torment, a very real place of punishment called hell. The rich man in Luke chapter 16 died without Christ. And we have record of what he says, crying out for a drop of water, crying out for somebody, please, please go tell my brothers that they don't come to this place. And 2,000 years later, he's still saying the same thing. That is the penalty for sin. The wages of sin is death. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages for our sin is death. But I want you to know that God loves you so much. God loves you so much, He has made provision for your sins. He took all of your sins, all of the bad words that you said, all of the bad thoughts that you had, all of the bad things that you've done, and He's laid them all on Jesus. And Jesus took your sin to the cross, and He shed His blood to cleanse away your sin. You see, Jesus died for you. He died Because He loves you and He wants to save you. He wants to save you from your sin. He wants to save you from hell. He wants to give you eternal life so that you can be with Him forever in heaven. If you believe. If you will believe. Believe that He died for you. That's all it is. It's not a process. You don't have to take a bunch of classes. You don't have to read so many chapters. You don't have to do anything other than believe that Jesus died to save you. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what a promise of Scripture is. It's not a maybe. It's not a will be. You shall be saved if you call upon Him with faith in your heart. If you ask Him to forgive you, ask Him to save you, the Scripture says He will. And when you do, everything changes. Everything changes. It's a new life. You're a new person. Jesus Himself says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, which is not pleasing to God, right? We just saw that. But that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. It's life. It's peace. It's pleasing to Him. It's this abundant life. Ye must be born again. There's a change that needs to take place. And when we place our faith in Christ, the Scriptures tell us we are born again. A new creation. Heavenly life waits for you. If you would just believe. I can't do that for you. I I remember praying with both of my children as they were struggling um, with wanting to be saved. They had just come under the age of accountability. That's just a big word. They, They understood what sin was now. They understood right and wrong, and they're trying to wrap this around in their in their little minds of of hell and sin and all that. And I so wanted to pray just. Save them, Lord, right now. Just do it. If I could pray a prayer for you, I would do that in a heartbeat if you don't know Him. But I can't. That's between you and God. The Spirit draws you, convicts you of your own sin, and you know that you stand guilty before God. Oh, I pray and beg with you that you would turn to Christ and place your faith in Him. Just believe In Him. And then follow Him. Follow Him through the water. Follow Him 
to be part of His body. Follow Him to live for His glory. So we put down the old man and all the pain and all the heartache it wants to cause us. Kill it in our lives. Get it out because it takes us away from God. No, I want to walk in the comfort and the grace and the strength of God. I want to walk in that hope that burns so brightly within me that someday I will be with Him forever. Because that's God's purpose for me. That's God's purpose for you. But you must say yes. So you might be facing some big decisions right now. You might might be facing some important decisions, ones that might impact your future. Listen carefully. None of those, none of those are as important or as big or as impacting as this. Choose to follow God. Choose to follow His purpose for your life and everything else will have its place. But again, you must choose. So I ask you, will you? Will you take that first step of faith? Will you come back to Him if you've wandered away? There is forgiveness with Him. There is purpose that He would give if you would follow Him. Let's pray. Father, I ask now that You would look on each heart here. I pray that I've been faithful to Your Word to declare what it says. That You would strengthen the desire within each of our hearts to follow You, Lord. Sometimes the flesh gets in the way and it's hard and we get distracted and we make the wrong choices, Lord. I make the wrong choices sometimes. Forgive me for that and draw me back to Yourself. I want to follow You. We all want to follow You and live in that life and that peace that You have promised. So give us the strength to choose You. Lord, I pray that there are those here that don't know You as Savior, that You would open their eyes spiritually to the sin that is within all of us, the sin that they stand guilty before You for, Lord, and the condemnation that they face because of it. I ask, Lord, at the same time that You would open their eyes to the glorious gospel of Christ, how You have provided for our sin in Your Son, Lord, and that, oh, if we would just believe in You, we would have eternal life. Thank You for saving me from my sin. Thank You for showing me my need for Your Son, Lord. I pray that You would do the same just now in the hearts of those who need You. Strengthen us as Your people, Lord that we would leave here filled with the Spirit, there would be no room for the flesh. And when Satan would try to take us away or distract us, Lord, that you would be there to ward it off and to draw our attention back to you, Lord. You know the hearts, you know the struggles in each one this morning. I pray now that you move and you speak to them as only you can. I thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen.